0: is called Achieving Racial Equity and Inclusion in in Business, Education, Wealth, and Health, it's in all of our systems. That means we're all complicit. But what's the good news about that is that means we can all be a part of the solution. So if you work for one of those companies that has made a grand declaration about what they're going to do for equity and inclusion, we're asking you to join this movement, this grassroots movement, to really add a little additional pressure to those CEOs who For years, you'll hear hear Bill talk about this, this is not a new conversation. These same CEOs who said that they are 100% focused on changing things, this is a conversation we've had for years. So what we're bringing to you is a new conversation, a new activation, the opportunity to truly transform.
1: Uh, it's not enough to talk about it. It's not enough to, uh, at some level, it's not enough to protest about it. It's, it's, it ought to be a call to action for us to do some things differently uh, about it. And that's really uh, what the essay was about. It, it was about the responsibility that we all have to change the status quo, to make a difference, to address systemic racism in some concrete ways that that ultimately Uh, will lead to its demise. It's also a recognition uh, that, that we have to hold ourselves accountable.
2: I want to draw awareness to the things that you don't want to talk about, that you want to sweep underneath the rug. That is the reality of the life that we live day in and day out. I'm done with trying to make you feel like it's okay. It's not your problem it's not your fault it is your problem and until you recognize and realize that it is your problem you're not going to do anything about it
1: what it is that we need to really do in organizations and they know quite frankly they know what they need to do uh there is a ceo action plan that started about oh three years ago 2017 And there are now well over a thousand companies that have signed on with a commitment, a stated commitment, to furthering diversity and advancing diversity and inclusion in the business. Yet and still today, we still see the tremendous disparities that have resulted from, I'll call it, false promises.
0: what Brene Brown likes to say. That's going to be the next video that we share with you. She Can you hear me now? Okay. Can you hear me now? This is Tracy. Can you hear me?
2: Hello? Yeah, we we can hear you.
0: We can hear you. (laughs) Can you hear me from my headphones or the computer, Nate? I know my we just had a little technical issue. You can hear me from the headphones. Okay. I can't hear myself. Okay, perfect. You can still hear me now. Yeah? Yes, okay. Perfect <laughs> See, this is a live show, people. And I'm actually in my garden. I know this looks like a fake background, but it isn't. These are like live, live lilies, and I'm sitting in my back my backyard in my garden, and we're doing a live show. So we'll just edit this part out. It's okay. <laughs> so this is Tracy Harrell, and what's super exciting about today is, um, you know, we get to continue a conversation, you know, that, that really is going to change the status quo. And today with me, I have two amazing individuals. Uh, Cassandra Mitchell was with us actually in session number two, which we had yesterday of this Bigger Than Me success series, achieving racial equity and inclusion in business, education, wealth, and health. It's a systems Change. It's a movement to really change the status quo. And so, Cassandra, why are you here with us? Why are you? Why do you think this is important? And what would you say actually to individuals who don't think it's important? Is there a call to action that you would share?
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess you know. First, I would say thank you, Tracy, for for allowing me to join again and um, and being a part of this conversation. For, for those who don't feel it's important. I would honestly say that then step aside and let us do our work. <laughs> let let us move forward. Don't don't block us. Don't prevent us from doing what we know was right. That will also benefit you, but allow us to move forward and, and making and seeing a change. That's what I would say to folks who don't don't believe in in the work that needs to be done. Um. And and I, like I said before, and I'll continue to say it. If not now, then when? If we're not going to make a change now. After everything that we have seen, after all the educational resources and tools that are now available for people, that people are finally, you know, um, willing to pick up books and watch videos and educational videos, right? They're finally listening and learning to, to friends and peers and coworkers. And, and, and so, again, after hearing and learning and taking all this information in, and if you still feel the way that you feel, then that's unfortunate. But all I could say is this: this. Let's step aside and allow us to do the work. Did you, did and and I'm say, okay with that. And I'm okay. I'm okay with people stepping aside and allowing us to do the work. Because but, but what, again, what, there's going to the gonna the be
0: naysayers. What, what do you say to the to blockers? Because I, I agree. I think I think those who aren't in, if they're out and they step aside, that's one thing. What, what do you say to the blockers? The people who are like, you know what, not only do I not agree with you, but I think this is the wrong thing. And like the lady told me at the CEO Action, uh, what is it, www.ceoaction.com, we have other priorities and, and you're not one of them. What, what do you say to those people? Because
3: step you know aside doesn't would, work
0: necessarily, right? right? For, for, those, for the
2: blockers or for those who aren't prioritizing this right now, I would want to seek understanding, honestly. Right. I would want to I would, I would ask, can we have a conversation for, so I could better, better understand why you're blocking us from moving forward or why this isn't a priority? Right. I think the, the dialogue and understanding that is really important because I, I would I would hope and having the conversation and seeking understanding that we could come to some common ground. Oh,
0: right. Love that. That's, wow, that's what sure. I would hope. Well, I look forward to bringing you into some conversations with the CEO action group, you and these other executives, because please be clear. I'm like, if you have a thousand CEOs saying that diversity and inclusion is important, I will continue to invite them. We will continue to move forward. Like you said, there is a whole series of social media platforms. We will lovingly invite them until we need to do something other than lovingly invite them. How about that? Um Miss Patricia, can you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and then tell us what would you say to individuals Sorry. to activate?
3: Good, thank you, Tracy, for having me. And I'm just so pleased that you are keeping this conversation alive and going. Yeah, they did participate in, in session one, which was amazing. I uh, am Patricia Davis and I'm the vice president of a small consulting group, DeMarsh Consulting. And we do work primarily in the public sector. So I'm working with small cities in Western Washington, with the city of Seattle, with King County, again, King County Metro. And everything that we do has an infusion of equity, diversity, and inclusion. That's part of what we have tried to build into our DNA. And especially with what's going on right now with george floyd and that whole incident and the protests i'm working with the county up north and i won't mention who they are but their leadership all the way from their board of county commissioners to their to their their entire leadership team is right on board with equity and diversity and inclusion and in having those conversations they actually created a proclamation, and they used really strong language. I mean, they used the word racist. This is a 95% white county. And oh. so so they wrote this. I mean, my heart was was on fire after I read this proclamation because it was so rich in what it was saying. And it didn't mince words. It didn't soften language, which I think is important. Well, I also work with another group. and they are sort of the, the group that don't, they don't think they have a problem. I am literally the only black face that they see on a, you know, right now a weekly basis, but in their zoom meetings. And so I'm starting to have these conversations, but with this group, they are so adverse to just the word racism and it's not calling them racist. It's just, they're, they, they just can't even hear it. So. I'm starting to feel that any any training that I do up there, whether it has anything to do with equity, diversity, inclusion or not, they think that that's what I'm going to talk about. So they're already, edgy, no, edgy, exactly. So I am navigating how to have these conversations because it's not optional for them. This is a directive from their top leadership, and they're they have to do something in terms of. Uh, education, and I'm really happy to be a part of it because I'm sort of trying to navigate ways in which I talk to this white audience who doesn't really think that there's a problem other than people are protesting in the streets, and that's dangerous.
0: Right, right, and and that, and that that's part of, like I said, that's why we're continuing this conversation. That's why we're bringing people on to tell their stories. It's It's so important. Like I said, this is, you know, this is, it's hard work, Part of the reason I'm sitting here in my garden, is again, not a fake uh, prop. I'm sitting here smelling the the, the lilies, basically, because it is hard work. Even I need to to surround myself with beauty. I get such joy. These are my babies, right? It's such joy. It's hard work. And we need to refuel and recharge. Cassandra, one of the things you said um, yesterday, I had two therapists on the call. uh, And you said one of the things that you... Uh, found most interesting came from one of the therapists yesterday around this conversation. Can you share with us what you thought was interesting? Yes, yes,
2: yes. What, what really resonated with me, um, which we've continued to share throughout these conversations is, you know, we're here, this movement, right? Um, whether it's through training or conversations, it's about changing hearts and minds. And so when she had shared, when the therapist had shared, um, asking the question, what do you believe? I know what you think, but what do you believe? I thought that was such an important question to ask folks, because if if they don't believe in respecting all human beings, And and really, and and that's just a that's such a broad term, right? Of course, someone's going to say, "Well, of course, I respect all human beings." But then we got to pull back the layers, right? And and ask the tough questions that will make people uncomfortable. But but that's that's where we need to get to. We need to get to the core of what people are believing, and 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 being honest with themselves on recognizing or having that self-awareness of. Of 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 you know what, and they don't have to say it out loud. I I feel like sometimes people have these self-reflections as they're listening and they're learning, and and recognizing you know finally that you know what, I, I my I, I do have this mentality of us versus them, or this mentality of something's going to be taken away from me and my family if this is given up, and and I understand where that comes from, right? Because we have been the group (laughs) that has suffered from the us versus them that has that has we've had things taken away or we've had walls and barriers and and other um, adversities put up against us because of the color of our skin or or our gender. And and so when you when because we're a part of that environment, of course, people are going to feel like, well, if, if I give this to you, if I give this up, then I'm losing something. But we have to help people understand it is not a pie. Right. You're so, you're not losing anything.
0: Exactly. We're Nate, all, let me know. We're
2: all going to gain something.
0: Right? Exactly. We're all
2: gonna gain something.
0: So, so. Nate, let me know if you can find the, the Brene Brown video on power. If you can find that really quickly, then we'll come back to Bill. Because it really perfectly aligns with what you're saying. And I think right now it's that activation. You were in our first session and we you know we've done several different uh, conversations and engagements, but I think it's important to bring it back because it, it, it lands exactly on what you said, it's about the activation and shifting your hearts and your mind and really asking what do you believe? The reason I'm being so very specific around this concept of corporate chokeholds is because it's very specific, it's very actionable. We've all done research around what a corporate chokehold is really the the, the manifestation of the things that we train in HR all the time we talk about unconscious bias and similarity bias the lack of support systems we talk about you know unequal performance standards and we talk about a lack of ceo accountability the research that we've based all of this on is it it, it talks about those four things a corporate chokehold is those four things. And again, I trademark the term because I need for it to stay positive, right? Because people can turn this into a bunch of angry Black people talking about, you know, when I say get your knee off my neck, I'm being very specific. I'm talking about the things that we can actually action, that we can change, that we can create change management. And it's really not that difficult. It's not that difficult. So let's hear what Brene Brown has to say about power. And so h- listen to what Brene Brown says when she talks about this concept of power, she talks about the three P's privilege, perspective and
4: power. The last P is power. We hate the word power. God, we hate the word power. Um, we hate the word power, but let me let me give you a simple definition of power for Martin Luther King. Power is just the ability to affect change. And then let me tell you about powerlessness as someone who's spent my entire career studying shame and fear. Powerlessness is the most dangerous state that we can ever experience. It leads to violence, isolation, shame, self harm. Power is just the ability to accept, to to affect change. For somehow, we have come to the belief, not just in this country, because I work all over the world, that power is finite. That if I share some with Olivia and Genia, that's two pieces of a pie of eight. And now I only have six eighths of that pie left. It's a zero sum game. But that is not power. That is power over. And power over is finite, for sure. And I think what we're witnessing across the world today is power over's last stand. We are picturing really fearful, desperate people saying, I am afraid to move from a world of power over to power with and power to, to shared power, a belief in power that's infinite, a belief that power doesn't run out, it's not zero sum. There is no evidence anywhere that power over is effective because when we lead and when we act, and even when we parent from a position of power over, we, by definition, disempower people who have great experiences, ideas, and stories to bring to the table.
0: Oh, you love that. You love that, Cassandra. Do you love how she talks about? You know, power is—it's—it's it's an infinite opportunity to, to shift power. And when we talk about, you know, I say we have to move from courageous conversations to courageous activations, and that absolutely relates to this concept of shifting the power. The reason. All of these corporate chokeholds, the reason unconscious bias, which is something we all talk about in our companies, the reason that's persisted is, and the impact that it has is, for us, it is a knee on the neck. It is absolutely a corporate chokehold for Black professionals for leaders and not for all of us i'm not speaking for all black people just let me make sure that's very clear i'm not speaking for all of us but for those people who have experienced it which i can tell you based on interviews based on research it's about 85% of all black people have experienced some form of unconscious bias um and that's being conservative right that's being conservative so when you think about this power shift we're asking people to basically pause we heard a lot also from the therapist yesterday and, and others about interruptions i think when they talked about systems Systems are designed to maintain the status quo. The only way to change the systems, which are culture within corporate America, it's, it's all a system, right? So the only way to change the culture is to interrupt, to interrupt. Would you agree? So part of what we're bringing to them, the the, the action item, is to, 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 to integrate these, what I'm calling, bigger-than-me moments. It's a bigger-than-me movement because a bigger-than-me moment allows for the power to be equalized in that moment. In that moment, it's like a natural flow. And I have a whole protocol change management system around it. We just need some corporations that are willing to hear it and start implementing it. At the end of the day, those who don't believe that there's any need for any type of shift in power, for any different conversation, for any uh, activation that looks different than what they've been doing for 30 years, that's when we talked about, you know, a different next step needs to happen and will happen as it relates to do we believe that those companies actually do we believe that their belief system aligns with what we are willing to accept your thoughts miss uh mitchell <laughs> i see you writing your, so you gotta tell yeah. me <laughs> <laughs>
2: I am. I am. And, and then I want to hear from Patricia because, you know, she, yes. she's doing this work on a daily basis. But my, my thoughts really quickly, I, I think sometimes, well, and not just think and not just sometimes. So let me let me rephrase that. The shift in power, just just saying that alone, I know, makes people nervous. Right. Because that that's the fear. Right. Well, if I give up my power and then give it to you, what's going to happen to me? And so I want us to be careful when we when we say those words because I'm not taking a I'm not taking someone's power away even though that's happened to me and I have to fight to keep my power right that's that's a going above and beyond and 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 doing much more twice as more as my peer who who may not be black but but I'm not. Having equity and inclusion is not taking power away from anyone. I just want to be able to keep my power, right? I don't want you to have power over me, just like you don't want to, you don't want anyone else to have power over you. So so I think it's important that um, we not allow people to take that power from us, and, and, and we have to control the narrative. If we control it, we can control the narrative.
0: I love so, it. Patricia, what what, what right are your right thoughts right. about what are your thoughts, Patricia, about this concept of um, interruptions, changing the culture? Again, systems are designed to maintain the status quo. So in order to change a system, we have to bring in new thought, new actions, interruptions to change things. So what are your thoughts about shifting power through this concept of interruptions, changing things, changing how people think and what they believe?
3: I love the thought of interruptions and disruptors. What I don't like is when they're just a moment in time instead of a movement in time. And now we have that opportunity to be a movement in time. And I I'm already hearing a lot of, from a lot of my clients, it's, you know, they just, they're done with the interruption. They're done with the COVID, they're done with the protests, they're done with, you know, all, all the news they're tired of being interrupted. Well, it's like, no, we're gonna stay a little bit interrupted here because we need to make some change. And I think what they don't understand, especially from the black perspective is we're not trying to get even, we're just trying to get equal. I didn't come up with that. I borrowed it from somebody, but I thought it was brilliant when I heard it. It's
0: it's brilliant.
3: And I just wanna keep that interrupter going. And part of that interrupter for me is i i look at how i'm spending my money now like where i go to eat who i who i buy from and and even as much as the movies i watch if you don't have a black cast or a black owner or 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 something that includes people of color i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give you my business i'm not gonna give you my time and, and I think that might be a way that I disrupt what's going on is I'm not just blindly gonna walk into an establishment and, and give you my business. Patricia what I, what I love about what you
0: said are two things you know you, you could you picked up on two words you I said there's a bigger than me moment and then there's a bigger than me movement and, and it requires both because a movement by definition that's the strategic you know the strategic initiative and like I said this strategic initiative is built on adaptive leadership positive psychology and self-directed learning there's tons of research around all those I brought all those principles in so we, we definitely have a, a, a bulletproof, uh, system to move forward, but but one of the ways we operationalize that is through these bigger than me moments and through a change management and a protocol around in the moment. Everyone gets to celebrate. They're like celebratory opportunities. They like, say, oh my God, we have a bigger than me moment, which means someone has identified, you see something, you want to say something. Like this feels like unconscious bias. It feels like one of those four things that we've identified. And then, the, then there's a specific protocol to address each. And if it's a combination, we know how to address it. So I, I, I love what you said. And when you think about culture, right, culture is built moment by moment. Every person in the organization can actually drive, change the culture. It starts with the ceo saying something and they're already they've been saying the same thing for 30 years so we don't really need a new declaration we need new activations new courageous activations. so when i spoke to bill about culture this is what he had to say
1: we're in a crisis moment in this country and it's not just a corporate america problem you know we we tend to focus in on corporate america because it's the employment sector but there are a lot of organizations underneath corporate america there's the, the nonprofits, profits um, the public sector entities, the entrepreneurial firms, the number of small companies mm-hmm. that are hiring people, right? So it's a real, it is a complex problem. There's no silver bullet. There's no single solution,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but it does start with, it starts with a, a frame of mind and an attitude. And I hate to say it, but it's like, um, you know, am I my brother's keeper? That does do right. people feel do people feel the way about you and I as they do themselves and their their loved ones? And I mean, no. some of it's some of it's kind of uh, really from a standpoint of Christian attitude, and um, and so I know that I know we don't mix religion and and business, but just think about it. I mean, we have we, okay. Let's 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 roll the tape back. We have a constitution, right? Um, It was interesting this year, the number of people, including myself, who were far more sensitized about not wanting to celebrate on July 4th than ever before, because the the hypocrisy of that is Uh so, so glaring when you really dig into it, that the Declaration of Independence, that occurred before slaves were freed. So really, what is the celebration? Now this is a little bit straying from uh the, the other discussion, but at, at the point in time, I guess where I'm getting to is so the initial attitudes and perceptions based on race started in this country long ago, and to the extent it's now embedded into the fabric of our society, oh. some say it's a part of the DNA of our of our of our country, okay, because race was introduced into this country in a way different than it had in other parts of the world not saying that others don't have racial problems cuz they do but but it's 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 so what i guess i'm getting to is there's no quick fix to structural and systemic racism it's it's there the companies that do the best jobs are those companies that acknowledge it and face it head on because it's a, it's a productivity issue i mean not only does diversity bring about greater uh, 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 creativity, innovation, because you get different thinking. That's what companies are looking for. It's the competitive edge. I mean, you can drill this into a, a business discussion in a heartbeat, and the CEOs, as you say, the CEOs get it. Now, the question is, if they get it, what about the next layer? Does the next layer get it? Because yeah, the if the CEO layer. gets it, and they don't, and they just sit on getting it, and they talk about it but they don't enforce it, it's not gonna go anywhere. So it's just a, a just a nice conversation. You know, I love that. And I said this in the um, the last segment. I, I, I loved, uh, not everybody's favorite, but Jack Welch, uh, Neutron Jack as they called him, the former chairman and CEO of GE. He said it, he hit the nail on the head. He said, it's all about results. Everything is just conversation. So when you put together a, a robust strategic, planning process that focuses on diversity, inclusion, and equity. It it has to have outcomes. There are business outcomes, there are people outcomes, their cultural outcomes, because businesses operate on people and culture. People get the work done. The culture though, is that engine that really engages people and makes them feel uh, uh, as though they're valued, they're respected. And even now the conversation is around, do you feel like you belong? Is there this oh. feeling of belonging? I think that's hard to measure, but uh, Gallup does it. Uh, a lot of okay. the employee engagement surveys tap into how people really feel about where they work, and so there are there are a lot of things out there for companies to do. So you don't need the CEO action plan to get to where you need to get to. You just need to get to where you need to get to. You need to. Right. It needs to be a call to action. You you got to get real.
0: Do you love him? You just need to get to where we need to get to, right? So basically, he's saying what you said, Cassandra, and what you said uh, as well. Uh, Patricia, if you think about it, we just got to do what we're doing. We just got to continue to move forward. We got to continue to activate. We have to continue to lead this initiative like people who truly want to see change. And those who it's for, it will be for them, right? We're going to be asking for support from the people who want to be supportive. And, and, and we can't be, um, we got to support each other, Right when we get the pushback, so that we can come back stronger, you know, the next time, right? So um, I, I think did you, did you hear how he started it? You said the thing that you like most, Cassandra, was the beliefs from the session yesterday. And, and Patricia, we were having similar conversations in session one, where I don't think we used the word "what people believe." Dr. Tart may have hinted on it just a little bit, but did you hear he started? You know, started talking about that as well in the very beginning. It's about like the people. What 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 Patricia for you, what was most profound in what Bruce just I mean Bill just shared?
3: Just about everything he said yeah, was, pro- right? was profound to me. <laughs> and and especially when he talks about things at the CEO level, you know, how far is it gonna go down that chain? And I work with a really big client here in Seattle. I'm not gonna mention them, but <laughs> we we ride them every day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And you know they have a robust equity and inclusion plan and, and it's, it sits at the first few layers of, of their organization. And I know that because I do verticals. So I start with their top leadership and then work my way down through uh, a division. And by the time you get to the, the boots on the ground people, equity, diversity, inclusion mean absolutely nothing. And, you know, these are people who have been in an organization for 30 years, so they believe what they want to believe. So when we talk mm. about what do you believe and being able to switch that a little, even just a little bit, and I am such a proponent of big changes are hard to make. So we start with small changes and small habits so that we can see some nice big results. I think yes. that's that's critically important, uh, That. That we started having, you know, those conversations, and I'm going to probably go off topic just a little bit. I, I just, in doing some of my own research and my own uh, learning and looking at our Black history, I'm appalled at myself and and teachers and leaders for what I didn't know, and you know, I'm a heartbreaks. Well, that's true. You you, you you
0: and I had this conversation when Juneteenth was happening. You were like, I can't believe. Right. I mean, you, you and I had that conversation.
3: Right. I could You
0: not didn't believe. know what June, Juneteenth was.
3: No. And I'll just give you this little anecdote before we hear from Cassandra, is I have a business partner who's a white woman, and and I told her the same thing, but, you know, I didn't really get what Juneteenth was until, like, this year. And she says, oh, I've known about it all along. But it upset me, because it's like, well, why didn't you ever say happy Juneteenth to me? Hmm.
0: That could have been a conversation that could have been an interesting conversation. I love it. I love that. That's good. Cassandra, what What did you think about um, what Bruce just shared with us? I mean, he started with kind of this concept of beliefs, right? It's what we believe. And then he said a whole number of other amazing insights.
2: Well, well I, I totally agree as well with what he was sharing and, and, Starting from the CEO and and working your way down to the other levels of the organization and really getting to those frontline workers, it's so important, right? It's so important to lead by example, to 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 model the behavior. I think that that was something else that uh, the doctor said yesterday, the, the the therapist, to model the behavior and have representation, and and I always come back to accountability, <laughs> right? There's there's too much racism and, and, and let's just look at the spectrum of what that means. Right. So you have the microaggressions and then you have just the blatant, just disrespectful racist acts, behaviors, whatever. And more often than not, people are not called out on it in the workplace, especially if the person who is exhibiting these, these racist or uneducated remarks and behaviors, um, especially if they're high performers in regards to bringing in revenue, those people can get away with just about anything. And so when you, when if you're a frontline worker and you see that or worse, you experience it um, because you're the, you're on the receiving end of those exclusive behaviors and actions, then you're like, what's the point? Right (laughs) now, now you have a culture going back to what bill was saying now you have created a culture opposite of what you're saying it is and but yet you're expecting people to 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 follow right and 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 you're expected to influence but yet you're allowing people to get away with those exclusive behaviors um And one other thing I wanted to mention, you you know, that that corporate chokehold, I
0: I, I I wanted to to add. Hold on real quick, because I need to make sure Nathan is showing you, because right now the camera was on your phone. It's just some weirdness is happening. Maybe it's just me, but we'll let you continue.
2: Okay. Okay. One thing I wanted to comment about regarding that your your corporate chokehold statement, you know, once how what what I hear when you say that is. When when a corporation has a corporate chokehold on African Americans or other people of color, of color um, I'm hearing l- lack of diversity within the workforce. I- I'm hearing limited opportunity for professional development. I'm hearing there's 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 a pay equity gap. There's there's limitations basically to me and others achieving based upon assumptions being made because of the color of my skin or because of my gender that is preventing me from moving up the corporate ladder so you have restricted my ability to grow within this corporation right that's what i hear when i hear corporate so and i want to
0: make sure people are so hearing that too So, so that's part of it that's part yeah. of it, and I think that's that's definitely part of it. But the other part of it, why? Like I said, the reason I'm being very very specific about it, and we're gonna yeah. make sure there's clear communication. and We continue to build on it because it needs to be used properly in order for it to be yeah. effective an effective uh, agent for change. So the concept of a corporate chokehold. Again, we did tons of research within the National Black MBA Association, and they are we identify four key challenges, and the four key challenges are things that have persisted for 40 years. So they're not new. It's things that every corporation, you know, includes as a part of their diversity and inclusion um, training. So when you think about this concept of the four challenges that do exactly what you said, prevent blacks from getting into senior level roles, you know, four challenges that cause us to, uh, to your point, have barriers for advancement, really barriers to thrive. I call call them the knee on the neck because I've experienced them all. And when you, when I've done interviews with a thousand individuals who have had similar experiences, and the words that you hear, the words that I said, I swear to God, no lie. Before there was ever a George Floyd, I actually wrote that I feel like I'm being choked out on a daily basis. It escalated to the point where I feel like I was being decapitated. You understand what I mean? Like, like, like my brain is my best asset. <laughs> You know what I mean? So to be in a space where you're delivering exceptionally well and and the four, the four, the four challenges are une- um, unconscious bias, unequal performance standards, this concept of a similarity bias and lack of support systems and a lack of CEO accountability. So it's those things that you said and specifically the things that cause exclusion, right? that that, And and Harvard has done research that this concept of exclusion is experienced by the body as physical pain. When you think about the trauma that those those therapists were on and that individuals have all talked about, when people are traumatized, they think they're the crazy ones, right? For experiencing these things, it's because we don't talk about it. It's because we don't tell our story. And part of, you know, a core part of what we're doing for this bigger than me movement is we have Sister Brene Brown talking about how important it is for us to tell our stories. And, you know, she says stories that we don't own, own us. And and what's interesting about this is, you know, we use the term courageous leaders. We're asking people to tell their stories, but we also understand that there are challenges with that. Check this out. Check out Bill's, my conversation with Bill. So I think we got to get the, the, the audio together with that. But um, what's interesting is this this these corporate chokeholds. He's ready. The corporate chokeholds um, are basic challenges that we experience. Our solution includes these bigger than me moments, this bigger than me movement. Part of it is telling our story. You mentioned that you're doing that at KeyBank. Um, but again, we'll talk about that's not always. Easy for everyone. So we'll talk about that. You're someone who's in one of those corporations who you're, you're experiencing one of those four challenges, un, unconscious bias, unequal performance standards, et cetera. What, what, what advice would you tell that person to, to, to have the courage to tell their story? Because that's part of it, right? A Me Too movement. You know, movements by definition need to have courageous people stepping up. So what words would you share with those individuals?
1: Well, that, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a tough question. That's a tough question because I can't just say you need to call it out Uh, because, quite frankly, we've seen what happens. You know, people are afraid of retribution. And when you call something out, you have to be ready because, quite frankly, what happened to women when they called it out? Sexual harassment. What happened? Mm -hmm. They lost their jobs. They got demoted they got cast away. And the same thing happens when it comes to race. Race Mm Racism, very, very explosive and a very uncomfortable accusation to be put in that category. I hear it all the time. Uh, Some say it glibly, but I think a lot of people say, I'm not a racist. That's Mm -hmm. the initial reaction that you get. But by the very nature that you've grown up with (laughs) privilege and bias all around you, Nobody's saying you're a flaming racist, but you may have some racist tendencies in you. And and it, that's unconscious bias, okay? But if you're the victim, the, the, the challenge that I find is, Tracy, the, I, I, I find victimization of, it's like victimizing the victim. Yeah. Blaming the victim for calling out Mary Jane, who we all know is a nice Christian person and wouldn't wouldn't go there, so they start to question the integrity of the person who's the accuser,
3: mm. and that's
1: and that's that's really tough to deal with, uh, and it's very real. It happens all the time, uh, and it's it, I, and I would go so far as to it's it can be an age thing, it can be right. a generational issue, um, uh, but there's a lot of dismissive behavior that comes from bias right. and, it, and it's just you know you call it unconscious bias what's well, yes yeah, it's unconscious for a reason uh because people are unknown but sometimes people they know right. and a lot of times people know they know what's right
0: i, lo- I love it when he says that they know <laughs> they know but he also said I mean Cassandra I'm gonna start with you because you're, you're in a role of corporate responsibility so if part of your responsibility as a leader in corporate responsibility is to help you know move this conversation forward and I know you said you've been having conversations within key bank what he just said is real I mean part of what we're going to be asking people to do is to tell their story but, but what about what he just said what, what are your thoughts about that I, I totally,
2: 100% agree. You, you have to be able to tell your story. And I I am so proud of, of the company that I work for for allowing us the space to have the conversation. And not just a conversation about race and social equity, uh, social justice, but a true, open, honest, transparent, vulnerable, I am telling you how I feel conversation, right? Like there, there are no, there are all... all all, every, every, we've been allowed to just be ourselves and, and sharing our stories. And I have to tell you the the benefit of that has been phenomenal. The benefit of having my coworkers hear our stories. And when I say ours, I lead our African-American employee resource group. And, and so we came together and, and with our leaders and we said, let's have these conversations. And these are conversations, by the way, that are happening across our enterprise. and, and, I was able to host the four conversations in Washington, Oregon, and Alaska. And it was truly a safe space. I started off the conversation saying, "Let's remember our values as an organization. Let's respect each other. Let's allow of people to be uncomfortable uncomfortable being uncomfortable. Let let let's not bring in politics because this isn't about politics. This is about people." Right? And and setting that stage allowed for people to share their stories about police brutality that they've experienced themselves. It's allowed us to share our stories of, I've actually experienced discrimination and racism and assumptions and stereotypes in corporate America, and here's what it looked like, and this is how it impacted me. And it allowed us to also share the weight of of the, the the world that we are feeling as African Americans in the workplace when we see images of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and and the expectation of us being of the, the expectation of us still coming to work with a smile on my face right? I'm not having a smile on my face today because I just watched someone get murdered on social media I'm sorry. Don't ask me how I'm doing because if I'm honest I'm going to tell you I'm doing horrible and i and. And I, I'm angry. I'm disappointed. So so allowing that space allowed us to share that with our coworkers. And it, it has allowed grace upon us so that people are finally hearing us or listening to us. And and that has moved hearts and minds in that short period of time, just based upon what people have shared with me. And so, so I feel like hearing and believing our stories, right? Believe what we're telling you. It, it, I'm not making up the incident that I just had with police de- five, five minutes from my house and the fact that I was frightened that I, and I wasn't sure if I was going to make it home. Believe my story and, and know that those experiences are happening to me, happening to the coworker that you sit next to every other day or that you see. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so important for us to, to share and be vulnerable and be open. In your own time, though, because I'm not saying, you know, just tell all your business. <laughs> but but it, it it has made a difference in the in the learning process for others and and educating others. So
0: I love that. I love that. I have, we have another video we want to show from Bill. One of the things you said, which which I thought was interesting, I loved it. For first of all, thank you. Everyone who knows you, you've been a pillar in this community for years. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this, for elevating this conversation. I, I'm grateful for you. I look forward to our next steps as we continue to move this forward, because um, it takes people like you to, to, to elevate the conversation, right? Now, the, the interesting thing is, you know, how do we bring faces? We had 85% Black people on the last call. So how do we bring faces that don't look like us into this conversation in order to elevate um, and get to real, true change? I asked I asked Bill that question. I'm going to play his video. I'm going to come back and, and get your answer. Get your thoughts.
1: If I'm a sales, I'm because I have friends in sales, and what they always tell me is, when they make their numbers, um, they get rewarded, but usually they up the they up their their quota. The, the more they perform, the more that's expected. All right? Now, let them not make their quota. That only happens once or twice. Uh. And then you might get reassigned different territory or whatever. Uh-huh. So salespeople really get it, and and companies rely on their sales force for producing. So why is it then when we go to the human capital side of the business, results don't count the same way that they do on the revenue producing side? And that's when companies don't really, they, they say they value people, but I really question whether they value people to the, excuse me, to the extent that they really say they do. I'm just, I'm just being kind of linear about it. And, and if you say it, mean what you say, say what you mean and mean what you say, and then stick to it. And then spread that through the organization, you cascade that, that message through the organization and you assign accountabilities all the way through most and, and you can go on you can google this what all you want the some of the best companies too have included compensation as a part of their performance management system and diversity equity and inclusion are included in there along with business measurements for managers managers of people in particular dni is a measurable business. Uh, it's it's a performance
0: issue.
2: What are your thoughts? Me, me or
0: Patricia? Um, Cassandra, <laughs> I'm going to go to you first. What what are your thoughts about about that? Oh, he's right absolutely now, again, right. It's showing your camera, your phone.
2: Okay. Um, I'm not sure how to fix that, but but he, he's, he's again. Okay. I I agree. You know, my, before I got into corporate responsibility, I was in human resources for about 20 years. So accountability and measuring goals and objectives is critical, (laughs) right? If it's not measured, then how can you hold people accountable? So, so the fact that um, there are organizations out there that are putting, you know, putting, you know, uh, walking the talk and saying, no, this is just as important as generating revenue. You need people to generate revenue, <laughs> and and you want those people to be engaged, and you want them to, to stay with the organization. So how could DEI not be a part of a measurable goal for a leader, and uh, for that matter, for everyone who works in, in the corporation, in, in the business? And um, I, I think um, until that happens and until that best practice is shared across the board, then you're going to have... You know, DEI looked at as a, a nice-to-have or um, just just something that we do but we're not truly measured on and we're not really held accountable to. Um, but, but in order to make the change, you have to hold folks accountable. You, you have to hold folks accountable. I, I'm held accountable for making sure that in my work of working with nonprofits and identifying opportunities for us to invest and support programs in the local community, and, and and also looking at uh, equity and inclusion um, in, in those efforts, I'm I measured on that. And, and and so you know if I if I don't achieve those goals, then that's going to impact you know pay and and other and everything else. So so I totally agree with what are saying. You, you have to be held accountable, and it has to be something that uh, if people are if corporations are taking it seriously and it's a priority, then then that's what they're, they're going to make sure that happens.
0: I love it, Patricia. One of the words that I heard Bill say was, "It has to be a. It has to be a must do. It can't be a nice to have. It has to be a we must do better." We have less than a minute left. What words would you say to people to emphasize we must do better, taking it from a nice to have to a must have?
3: Yeah, I will have to say that uh, I have a client who, part of their practice. Every single time they have a meeting, every day, they have a safety minute and they have an equity, diversity, and inclusion mm. minute. And everyone is to participate in that. So it could be what you did, what you saw, what you didn't do, and what you could have done. And I love and that. they all bring something beautiful to the table. And I don't know how much they're measured on that, but they do it like a religion. And I have borrowed that. So when I have meetings with some of my other clients, we do that.
0: I, I love that. Some some of, the, some of the, the elements that are part of these bigger than me moments or these bigger than me movement, it does include celebrating them. Like, oh my God, we have a bigger than me moment. Someone thinks that there's some um, unconscious bias that they've experienced, right? It's a celebration. So together we're gonna continue this conversation, but more so than anything, we're gonna continue courageous activations. Ladies, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for being part of this initiative. I could not be more excited to be connected with individuals like you who are ready to truly change the status quo.